0: You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, in the last two weeks we've heard of Jesus dealing with the demons, and again today. First, two weeks ago in his temptation, when Jesus did battle with the devil for 40 days in the wilderness, and then last week when Jesus rescued the Canaanite woman's daughter. Today, again, we find Jesus casting a demon out. A demon who was making a man mute. He was unable to speak. And then when Jesus healed him, he speaks and he praises God. And this causes a debate amongst the Pharisees, and that's really the text, and we want to look at it. But I think before we walk through the text, I want to kind of set the stage as we consider spiritual warfare. And, 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 and perhaps to consider this... Then, when we think about spiritual warfare, there's probably at least four ways that we can get it wrong. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you what they are, and then we'll talk about them. Ignorance, indifference, despair, and pride. So, the first is ignorance. And that's simply this, that we don't know that we are engaged in spiritual warfare that we don't realize that we stand in this life with real enemies. That the devil is real, that the demons are real, and their hatred for you and for me and for the church are a real hatred. Paul says in his, you know, the famous Ephesians 6 passage that deals with this, Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, and listen to how Paul lists the armies which we fight, but we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is who your enemy is. And they are fighting against you. Now we ask ourselves, well, what if, what if we don't feel like we're in this heavenly or spiritual battle? What if, we don't, what if we don't sense that we're in this wrestling match with the demons? What if we forget it? I would say in that case, the advantage is clearly with the one who remembers that he's fighting. And make no mistake, the devil knows that he's fighting you. He is not forget. He has not forgotten that he wants to devour you. Remember how, remember how Jesus describes the devil when he says, beware of false teachers? They come like, uh, 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 like wolves dressed in sheep clothing. And, but he doesn't just say wolves. He says ravenous wolves. This is the description of the devil. He is ravenous. He is driven, He is driven almost mad with bloodthirst and hunger to devour you and your family and your friends and you are fighting him. We are not ignorant of these things, though, and it's very helpful to have the gospel text before us simply to remind us, oh yeah, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and against the cosmic powers. So we escape the first danger, which is ignorance, but then we might fall into the second danger, which is indifference, this is what St. Uh, what Peter calls falling asleep spiritually. In fact, P- Peter says to the church, uh, wake up, be sober, be alert, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around seeking whom he can devour. We might know we're in spiritual warfare, but we become indifferent or we fall asleep. Again, when we're sleepy, we need a wake-up call. And the scriptures, especially these last two weeks and today, send, sound that alarm. They wake us up. They remind us that we have a true enemy and that we need to be alert. Dr. Kleinig, when he was here a few months ago, reminded us that the difference between a Christian being awake or asleep is found in their prayers. The alert Christian is the Christian who is praying that the devil's work would come to nothing. The Christian who's praying that the Lord's angels would protect their family and their congregation and so forth. So our alertness and our attention is found in prayer. So we escape ignorance and indifference, but we have a third danger, and that is despair or fear. A lot of people, when they consider the devil, consider what a great enemy he is. The old evil foe who means deadly woe, deep guile, and great might are his great arms in fight. <laughs> who can withstand him? I mean, even if, if Adam and Eve, our parents, in, in perfection, in the garden, couldn't stand against the devil, then who are we, fallen creatures, <laughs> Sinners. And, and it's even worse, not only when we consider the great strength of the devil, the great might of his armies, we consider that he has an ally even in our own sinful flesh, so that when the devil comes to tempt us, he finds a, a voice echoing inside of us that says, yeah, that's what you should do, you should follow the devil. And go with him. We might be tempted to be afraid. But we have a great good news in the text... And that is, with a word, Jesus sends the devil away. So again, Peter reminds us, he says this, and if you can imagine how wonderful this is, he says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, can you just imagine that? As we, with God's word, resist the devil, he runs from us. Who, who are we that the devil should run from us? The answer? We're the brothers and sisters of Christ. We are those who are bought with a price, purchased with His blood. As it says in Revelation 12, they overcame Him with the word of the testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Hmm. So you're in church... To hear God's word and to drink God's blood and so to be equipped to cause the devil to flee from you. It's with these weapons you overcome him. That's great. But I suppose that would be, would lead to the fourth danger, which is pride. That we think that we, by our own strength or by our own efforts, could stand against the devil. We think of ourselves as spiritual warriors that need to go on the attack and on the offensive. That that we are marching out to take over the devil's kingdom. That we are the ones who are fighting by pressing the devil. And this is wrong. Jesus is the one who fights for us. And our job is not to charge or to attack, but simply remember how Paul reminds us to stand. Just to stand. So we do not press the devil's kingdom ourselves. We stand and let Jesus do the fighting for us. I remember when I was, uh, when I was a young man and was, was in, spent a, a week in this little town in Israel, with this priest, Father Chakur was his name, and he had, I thought, a very funny way of talking about Jesus. He called Jesus our friend and our champion. He would always start his prayers that way. Oh Jesus, our friend and our champion, hear us as we pray today. And I see now the wisdom that Jesus is the champion, the one who fights, the one who takes up arms, To destroy the devil not you not me if you want a picture think of when david went out to fight goliath and what did the armies of israel do they just stood on the hill and watched while david their champion fought against the devil that's how it is with us in fact that's really what the season of lent is we stand on the side and we watch jesus go out to war marching to take the field for this reason the Son of God was manifest, writes John in chapter 5. For this reason He was manifest, that He might destroy the works of the devil. Or Hebrews reminds us, just as, this, just as you and I partake of flesh and blood, so He partook of the same, so that by His death He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and set us who are in fear of death free. So we rejoice that Jesus goes on the offensive, that He takes up our cause, that He fights for us and He holds the field. And that's exactly what we find in the text today. Now, I think this text is really quite dense and there's a lot in it, so I'd like to walk through it verse by verse. You should have it in front of you in the bulletin. Because what's happening here is Jesus is casting out the demon of the mute man and this is cause for the people to bring an accusation against Him, especially the enemies of Jesus, the Pharisees, and they say, He cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. In other words, they they make the charge that the reason why Jesus is able to overcome the devil is because he himself has a stronger demon, or that he himself is possessed by the devil. And Jesus is going to argue against this. He's going to make probably a fourfold argument against it. So he, knowing their thoughts in verse 17, makes his first argument and says... Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided house falls. In other words, Jesus says to them, that doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Why would the devil cast out the devil? Why would the devil overthrow himself? You guys are fools. And then he presses the argument even further and says, if you want to hold to your argument, you're condemning yourself. In verse 19, if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judge. So then, Jesus makes his conclusion. That is verse twenty, and he's going to be, and you see how the argument goes. He's going to say, since it's obviously not by the devil that I cast out demons, it must be by the spirit of God or the finger of God. And then he's going to tell them what it means. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, for the best part, verse 21 and 22. Jesus is going to give them a parable to explain what's happening right in front of them. He's going he's to unfold the spiritual reality of his casting out demons to them in this parable. The parable is of a strong man, which in this case is the devil who is guarding his house, that is, the world, and all of his goods are at peace, that is, sinners. But then a stronger than him, that is, Jesus, is going to come and attack him and overcome him, that is, the cross, and he's going to take away his armor, that is, the fear of death, and he's going to divide the spoil. That's you. So Jesus says, that I have come to plunder the devil's house. And you, dear friends, are that plunder. You are the spoils. You are the the boxes of gold that Jesus is taking out of the devil's cellar. (laughs) He has won you. He's redeemed you. He's rescued you. He's purchased you. He's found you and grabbed you and pulled you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His glorious light. More on that later. Now, this is a great comfort. It's a great comfort, first of all, to the mute man who Jesus had rescued just minutes before. But it's also meant to be a great comfort to the Pharisees, to the disciples, and to you and I. But, but look what happens next, and this is particularly important, because Jesus is, going on, Jesus is going on to say that this knowledge of his spiritual victory, of his rescuing us from the devil, has consequences. It means that we are either in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the devil and there is, Jesus is going to say, no neutral ground. There is no other option. You belong either to Jesus or to the demons. Listen. Verse 23. Jesus says, Whoever is not with Me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. And then this, verse 24 and 25, uh, and 26, which is one of the, probably the verses of the Bible that gives us the the clearest picture of the spiritual reality in this world, and it is, in fact, quite a mysterious text. Jesus, Jesus in, in these three verses, is going to tell us what he sees when he casts a demon out, the things that we can't see. He says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places looking for rest, and finding none, it says, I'll return to the house from which I came. In other words, the person that they had possessed. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order, Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. Do you see that Jesus is giving a warning that it is not enough for the devil to be sent away? If the devil is sent away, but the Holy Spirit does not come and take up residence in the conscience and heart of a person, if God's Word and His Gospel are not found there, then that demon comes back and enters back into the person, and the last state is worse than the first. You can't exist as a, as a, uh, 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 a spiritually neutral person. There is no spiritual Switzerland. <laughs> There's no truce, no, no border that you can live between and not be part of the fight. You're either on, in the kingdom of Jesus or you're in the kingdom of the devil. And so it's not enough for Jesus to send the demon away. God's word has to move in. Do you see that? Now, this is a warning that Jesus is giving. I mean, again, to the man whom he just rescued, but also to the Pharisees and also to us, that if we would seek some sort of spiritual neutral ground, we're in danger of the demons and in a worse place than we were before. So the question comes before us like this. What kingdom are you in? The kingdom of God? Of Jesus and of his mercy? Or the kingdom of the devil? The kingdom of darkness? The text answers it. It tells us how we know. After Jesus was saying these things, a woman stood up in the crowd and almost overwhelmed says, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. Your mom is lucky. (laughs) But Jesus says this, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. How do you know that you belong to the kingdom of God? How do you know that you belong to Jesus? How do you have the blessing of the freedom that he wants to give? It comes by hearing and believing the Lord's word. The hearing and believing of God's Word is how Jesus rescues us from the strong man, the devil. And it's how He delivers us into the treasury of His mercy. So Paul writes, Colossians 1.13, this, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. It is the forgiveness of your sins that puts you in the kingdom of God. Not your works or your strength or anything else. It's His mercy, His kindness, His blood, His word, His cross, His death, His resurrection. This is how you belong to Him. This is our joy and our peace. That the stronger one has come, Jesus, that he has overthrown your captor, the devil, and that he has forgiven your sins. Knowing this, hmm, we have nothing to be afraid of. Knowing this, we live a life of boldness, fearing not the devil or death or any of his weapons. Knowing this, the forgiveness of our sins, we rejoice in his light until he comes for us again. So, dear saints, rejoice. Because when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when a stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted, and he divides his spoil. This Jesus has done for you. Amen and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.